Welcome to a new episode of the XR Magazine podcast. I am Diana Olenik, your host, and today we're going to be speaking about chemistry and scientific research in VR. Today we are speaking with Nanome, who is a virtual reality software company to launch an immersive real-time collaboration platform for scientific discovery and is changing the way we understand and interact with science and the molecular level. The software environment allows users to visualize, modify, and simulate proteins, chemical compounds, and nucleic acids to accelerate scientific decision-making. The platform facilitates effective communication of data and integrates with existing computational chemistry workflows. Features that have led to the adoption of the San Diego-based company's enterprise solution by several pharmaceutical and biotech companies worldwide. Today, we're going to be speaking with one of the co-founders. His name is Kita. So Kita's passion lies at the intersection of emerging technologies, digital arts, and sciences. He graduated from UC San Diego with a Bachelor of Sciences in Management Science, Quantitative Economics, and a minor in Visual Arts Digital Media. He co-founded Nanomi in 2015 and now leads the company operations. I can't wait to hear more about this amazing platform. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Keita. I'm super excited to have you here today. How are you doing, by the way? I'm uh, super excited. Uh, how about you? Oh, very good. Thank you so much for asking. Please let us know the beginnings of Nanom. Um, I know it's super, super exciting to hear about this magnificent tool that is um, already out there for science, scientists, um, people that is in chemistry, biology. Please let us know how did this idea begin and, of course, all the development of the app. Sure. Um, so Nanom was uh, founded uh, during my senior year at UC San Diego. Um, and so we have uh, four co-founders, myself, uh, Steve, Edgardo, and Sam. Uh, and so my background is a kind of a mix between um, digital media, computer science, and uh, economics. Um, and Steve's background is in uh, what's called nanoengineering. Um, and so um, when I actually first uh, experienced the Google Cardboard in 2014, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, you know, um, I, I need to be involved with, you know, XR, VR, right? And uh, I met Steve. Um, and back then, the like only you know apps that were available were you know roller coaster games and zombie shooters and things like that and i wasn't really interested in kind of you know video games um and so when i met steve he was like yeah like i'm trying to do nanoengineering or uh, like molecules in chemistry uh and science in virtual reality and i'm like oh my god this is like amazing this is totally you know um what the future you know of science ought to look like um and you know i grew up watching like iron man and and like Tony Stark and like, you know, the futuristic like ways of interacting with scientific data. And like, I totally thought this has to be the way. And so um, we, uh, you know, st uh, started this company together. Um, Sam is our CTO and, and Edgardo is our chief experience officer. Um, and uh, uh, we were all pretty much like not exactly classmates. We didn't take the same classes, but we were all peers and we had a bunch of different friends and we were all really into science and, and virtual reality. And so we started that company in in 2015, 2016, um, and we fully spun out of uh, UC San Diego's campus um, in uh, 2019. Um, and now we have, you know, over half of the top 20 pharma companies as our customers who actually use VR 
uh, and our software to you know make breakthroughs uh, in in science and molecular design. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of a, a quick summary. Wow, thank you so much. It it sounds pretty exciting that it was all like familiar for you because you were you know friends around and and you were developing the project as also you were improving your professional skills, etc. So that that sounds like a very organic evolvement of the app. So thank you so much for giving that intro. So in terms of the conception of the idea, now we have the clarity about that. How about starting to build it out? Like, did you get additional developers? Did you do it yourselves? And how did you design? Because when we take a look at Nanom, we can realize that to build an infrastructure like that might be like complex. So what is the yeah. background of that process? Definitely. Well, so, you know, very, very early on, um, Steve, myself, Edgardo, Sam, we all built different prototypes. Um, you know, I, I do have a little bit of a programming background in computer science, but, you know, I'm not a graphics expert or a computational chemistry expert by any means. Uh, but we were able to put together enough prototypes um, such that then we could, you know, convince others, right? We were able to get a, a different advisors from uh, UC San Diego, uh, you know, and, and professors and such. Um, what we also did was um, we we also got um, a ton of different like uh, basically interns um, from the computer science department to help us out because you know as everybody knows I'm sure your audience knows uh, developing for virtual reality is 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 much harder than you know making a website or uh, a, you know a iOS app right or on mobile um, and so you know and, and everybody was trying to learn right and so and there wasn't really like common practice and so. It was a lot of different experimentations. So back in the day, we had a lot of different um, like interns and basically, you know, colleagues that helped us make a, a lot of different types of prototypes. Um, and then what was critical is that uh, after we got these prototypes, one of the people that we were able to convince was Novartis, which is one of the big pharma companies in the world. And um, Novartis was actually across the, you know, practically across the street from our campus at UC San Diego. And so we went to their campus and, and, you know, they were like, this is an amazing technology. We also think that this could actually make an impact, you know, towards, um, you know, uh, research, scientific research and, and, and developing new uh, drugs and things like that. And so um, we started our collaboration with Novartis uh, in 2017. And every two weeks we went to their campus and we got feedback, you know, how about this? What do you like this menu? What feature do you want? Right. Like, um, what sort of things, and they would be like, "Oh, hey, you know, there's this bug makes it scientifically inaccurate, so you really gotta fix this bug, right?" Like all these types of things that we, you know, um, were, were so valuable to learn, uh, so that then we could actually make a platform that was useful uh, and accurate for scientific use. Um, and so that collaboration, I mean, you know, Novartis is actually one of our, you know, uh, biggest customers and users today because of that collaboration, right? So. Um, and then beyond that, really, we, we made a, you know, kind of like agile software development. We had a new version out every two weeks um, and we put together a team. Um, and, and the same year after that, um, uh, or after that collaboration was initially formed, uh, we were able to get uh, some venture funding in 2017, where we were able to uh, put together a more robust, uh, you know, not just interns, but, you know, full-fledged development team of full-time developers. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much kind of, uh, how, how we approach the development of the platform. Uh -huh, that sounds pretty exciting because what makes me super, super um, happy about the process that you did 
is that the customer was pretty much with you building at the same time the app, which is this is the ideal scenario where it's the co-creation. Yeah, at the same time. Thank you. So what was the most technically challenging aspect to build? Oh man, uh, choosing one technically uh, <laughs> is very, uh, choosing one is, is really hard. So can I cheat and say three three things that yes. are hard? Okay, yes, yes, um, so yes. I'm, I'm glad you're allowing me to cheat. Um, so I think the, the number one thing is that, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the scientific simulation and calculation of molecules is a very, 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 not only is it a hard thing to do, like depending on what type of scientist you talk to, they have a different preference on what kind of, uh, you know, uh, like a backend simulation algorithm they prefer. The out, the metaphor I would come up with is that if you're developing, uh, it's kind of like, a, you know, when you're developing a Microsoft Word, right? The grammar for English and French and Spanish and Japanese, like they're all different, right? Uh, and so you need to make sure that like the, the you know, the backend, correction mechanism to make sure yes this is correct spelling for english but this is incorrect spelling for spanish and you know things like that right is basically kind of like that right and so making sure that um we're uh, scientifically accurate but we're also flexible to be able to adapt and to be applicable to these different types of scientific use cases i would say was probably a really really big challenge and so the way we kind of address that is to come up with a flexible python api so we have a very um, uh, robust uh, um, and extensive plugin system where, um, you know, if the joke is or not really a joke, but it's true, which is that, you know, you ask the, the top 10 pharma customers or the pharma scientists uh, what type of simulation algorithm they prefer. They'll give you 10 different answers, right? And so our Python API and a plugin system allows us to plug into their existing simulation um, solutions uh, without, you know, uh, but while still using VR and XR as an interface to be able to set up and analyze those simulations. Um, and then so the second thing um, I would say was uh, the live collaboration. So, um, and, and I'm sure some of your audience might be familiar with this, but we use a uh, Photon for our collaboration, mm -hmm. uh, live collaboration and, and multi-user aspect. But Photon is very much developed for gaming. Um, and so in gaming, it's really important that, you know, uh, like everything is live uh, synced and that like, you know, when one person, you know, uh, you know, I guess like shoots another person like in a you know, shooting game, right, then then they see the other person seeing actually that. But the the needs for um, uh, within molecular like a productivity app and collaboration are different, right, where, you know, if there is a network lag, then you don't want everything to stop and for everything to catch up like. You know, in Zoom, for instance, uh, the video stops and you could still hear the other person, right? In the video game, if that were to happen, then the video game doesn't work. So that's why you need to implement that delay such that then you can, everything is synced up, quote unquote, all the time. But for us, it's like if the connection is bad, uh, we don't want to drop, you know, uh, we don't want to drop everybody and prevent everybody from talking to each other. We want to still enable the audio, for instance, um, such that they can still you know, collaborate, right? And so it's like these a lot of, there were a lot of things like that um and that's just one example and and I'm not technical enough to be able to point to many different examples but you know uh, from what I know there's many things like that that um essentially we needed to kind of build on top of and and modify uh you know the existing infrastructure of photon 
uh, to be able to be more productivity focused rather than kind of gaming focused. Um, and then the third thing is just like, I, I think this is more on the user experience um, and user interface side of things is that, um, you know, like what does it actually like uh, look like to have a native 3D app for molecular interaction is just like nobody knows, right? Like nobody has, you know, built like a molecular editing tool that's in natively in 3D, right? And so, um, and this is something we're, we're still tackling, right? Um, uh, we, we still don't know, you know, do, do chemists prefer to drag out a molecule from their left hand to the environment? Do they prefer to just scroll and then click you know, like a mouse basically, right? And so these things, I think, um, you know, as a lot of trial and error, um, giving it to the users, getting feedback, right? Things like that. And frankly, taking a lot of inspiration, inspiration from different VR games and apps, right? Um, are currently like uh, our molecular drawing tool. So you can like draw molecules that's heavily inspired by uh, Tilt Brush, right? The painting tool in, in VR, right? And so it's, you know, one of the things that we like to say is like, hey, you can have Tilt Brush, but for molecules. So instead of <laughs> painting, right? Painting with a color or whatever in 3D, you're painting with carbon atom and an oxygen atom or, you know, things like that, right? And so, you know, it's still very much a hard solution that we don't have, you know, we don't have the perfect answer for and we're actively learning. But I would say those kind of three things were, were uh, you know, the biggest challenges. Yeah, sounds super, super interesting. And thank you so much for expanding, not just in one, but in the other ones, just to have a little bit more of perspective and background of what are the typical, you know, roadblocks that can be faced there when building something of this with this kind of infrastructure. And especially also that this is not a project that started recently, but it's been years and years evolving. So it's interesting. Thank you. And um, I think that you um, have had uh, some interesting cases of use of Nano. I wonder if you want to mention a couple of them. One of them that I am aware of is uh, using it even for research with coronavirus, like to analyze the protein structures and all of this. What, what examples would you like to bring that are interesting on how they are using it? Yeah, um, you know, so, so many. We, in fact, if we have a whole case study page uh, on our website. So if you go to nanom.ai slash case studies, um, oh. then you can you can look at all the all the different case studies we have. Um, as you mentioned, probably the most kind of famous one is is you know coronavirus, right? Uh, what's interesting is that we've had different researchers, uh, you know, use nanom and and VR and XR for coronavirus research in different ways. Um, and so one of them is a uh, um, Oak Ridge National Labs uh, has actually made a novel co uh, chemical compound. So basically, it's a, it's a new chemical design to attack the protease of the coronavirus. So the, the just a quick explanation, the protease of the coronavirus is basically what, you know, causes all the destruction within your body. Um, and so um, that, uh, so like people have probably seen like the, the spike protein and, and the protease, probably the, the two biggest kind of most famous structures. And so the uh, Oak Ridge National Labs, they made a, um, a potential drug that could attack the protease of the coronavirus uh, to be able to, um, so it's, it's not a vaccine, but it's more, it's an antiviral compound that you take after you get coronavirus such that you know, you don't get the symptoms as bad, or hopefully you don't die because of it. And so, you know, they're progressing with uh, further clinical trials. Um, so, you know, that's a, a big um, one. Another one with um, uh, Novartis uh, is, uh, unfortunately, I can't disclose the the exact yeah. um, 
you know, the details, but they were basically looking at, you know, the coronavirus as well uh, and different ways to be able to, you know, uh, hopefully make a positive impact in patient lives, uh, you know, with with uh, the virtual reality and nanotechnology. Um, and then lastly is um, uh, there was an Italian uh, pharmaceutical company called uh, Dompet Pharmaceuticals that looked at, um, you know, very, very large uh, simulations of the coronavirus and how it interacts with the human body. Um, and so they were able to analyze those results uh, in, in nano uh, and in VR. Um, and so those are just some of the examples. Um, you know, one other thing that I would mention is um, the Nimbus uh, therapeutics case study. Um, I'm, I, I can't recall what exactly the, the therapeutic area was, uh, meaning like, you know, what disease it was and things like that. But basically, um, they realized because of nano and VR uh, that they were about to make a mistake in the way that they were making a drug. But then they looked at like the, you know, the, um, the, the proposal essentially in VR. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, like we need to go a different way. And so they were, you know, hopefully we don't know, obviously, you know, if they went forward with that proposal, what kind of effects would it had, right? All that stuff. Hopefully it wouldn't have had too much of a bad example, but, you know, it could have gotten really bad where, you know, adverse effects, side effects, things like that, right? And so because of VR and Nanom, they were able to realize that and prevent that from happening, right? So mm -hmm. those are, in fact, that um, case study was done in conjunction uh, with, um uh, Oculus. Um, so that's also mm -hmm. on the Oculus website as well. So um, anyways, those are, those are just some of the wow. examples. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Um, are there other type of unexpected, maybe initial use cases that you thought of using the app right now, for example, schools, you know, when they are taking yeah. their biology classes and chemistry? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, we, we always thought that, you know, like schools will be definitely be a you know a big part um, in mm -hmm. terms of use cases, um, yeah. you know, at the very bit, you know, I was telling you earlier about like the tilt brush for molecules. Right. Um, you know, if you've probably seen like the ball and stick models of for chemistry in, in schools. Um, but I like to say in VR, you never run out of parts. Right. Um, and so mm -hmm. a lot of schools and, and we're on the you know, you could download Nanom on, on you know, the, for Quest and uh, Steam VR and things like that. And so um, we have a lot of universities, over 250 universities and schools that have downloaded Nanom. Mm -hmm. um, and we, in fact, we have a, um, uh, a case study that we published with uh, Harvard on intermediate ke uh, chemistry learning uh, using Nanom. So um, mm -hmm. definitely some kind of uh, proof points there. Um, I would say the unexpected, but like, I mean, I wouldn't say this is unexpected, but like one of the cool things that we're starting to say, because this is the thing that we wanted to happen. So I, I don't think that it was unexpected, but I guess it was somewhat unexpected that it was happening this soon is that one of our customers said that they're start, they're now starting to use Nano more than Zoom uh, for their meetings uh -huh. because they're constantly bringing up, you know, scientific data and these, uh -huh. you know, the chemistry models and things like that. So they're like, hey, like, why don't we just use Nano, right? And so, uh -huh. you know, now they have a, more of their meetings in Nano uh, for these scientists than uh -huh. in Zoom. Wow, that's amazing. And what type of capabilities are there embedded like in the app or, or 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 features that you created for that purpose in terms of the meeting per se, like the collaboration? Yeah, for the for like the meeting specific. Yeah, so you know, it's it's always actually a challenge for us as developers not to make too many you know, kind of like meeting focus or general collaboration because, you know, we know that there's apps like 
spatial and, you know, um, horizon workrooms and like, you know, other solutions that are meant for more general meetings. And mm -hmm. again, our specialties in, in science and molecules. So we try to stay within that as much as possible, but sometimes our users are like, oh my God, please, please add this. And we're yeah. like, all right, well, I guess, I guess we'll have to make it right. So um, I, I would say there's kind of um, four Four different, uh, well, no, three. I'll, I'll stick to three main uh, features for this. Um, one is the in-app uh, web browser. So we have a shareable in-app web browser, um, and that, and so it's different from a lot of different, um, like you know, Horizon Workrooms. I think has a web browser, or you know, like the Quest. You can just have a web browser. It's different from that because it's multi-user, so you can share uh, the web browser, and other people can see it. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, you can actually have deep linking with the molecular data that's in there. So a lot of scientists, they have, you know, web apps, right, um, for their uh, scientific workflow. And so whatever you do in the web app, you can actually have it reflected in the 3D space uh, in VR. And so that's kind of a unique thing about that. Mm. Um but, you know, at the same time, scientists use it to just like listen to music on Spotify and like watch YouTube, right? So you could totally use it for that too, right? Um, and then the second thing is just a very uh, general whiteboard tool. Um, so, you know, you could just jot down notes, things like that, right? Uh, and then the third thing is, um, I, I believe we're one of the few apps that have done something like this. And, and I truly think this is a revolutionary feature, uh, which is called spatial recording. Um, and so spatial recording, um, it's like, you know, if you've watched Star Wars, um, you know, the first original movie, there's that scene where Leia's like, you know, Luke, you're my only hope, right? And there's like a hologram and there's a recording of it, right? It's kind of like that, um, except uh, you can pause it. And so you can say, um, you know, hey, Diana, here's, check out this molecule, here you go in the recording. And of course the recording will just stop, right? But then it will be in. But with spatial recording, and what's so powerful is that you can pause my recording. So I'll just be like this, and you could grab the molecule, like and interact with it and change it wow. and, and all that, right? And then if you press play, it'll, it'll go back, right? And then it will keep playing. Um, and, and it's really it's it's quite difficult to explain, right? Like through through mm -hmm. a conversation, but you really need to try it. And so um, the amazing thing about this is that we have. You know, especially with like these bigger pharma companies, like they have uh, research sites uh, in Europe and North America and Asia. And so a lot of times, and if you've tried to ever schedule a call between, you know, Europe, uh, West Coast and Asia, it's almost impossible. Somebody needs to be awake at an uncomfortable time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but with this feature, you can do what's called like asynchronous, um, you know, collaboration where a researcher can say, hey, this is what I did. Here are my findings. Here you go. Right. And then you don't need to meet, you know, in a live session. Right. Cause then you could just pass on that recording and then take over from there. Right. Uh, and then another thing that's really amazing for is uh, education and lecture recording. Right. So, you know, a professor can say, okay, no, this is why, you know, um, uh, uh, you, you know, cells like to, or like hemoglobin carries uh, oxygen or whatever. Right. And then, uh, and a student, if they don't understand that, they could pause it and be like, okay, why is that, right? And I could, you know, reach in, grab it, like uh, be able to manipulate it in a more natural way and then and then hopefully understand that concept, right? So there's many different use cases to spatial recording. Um, it's one of the biggest features that we're really, really proud of. Um, and I think we've seen a couple other apps implement a similar thing, but not to the extent mm -hmm. of that interactivity that we have, especially when it comes to obviously molecular data, right? So yeah, um, yeah. So yeah anyways, those are, those are kind of the three... <laughs> collaborative uh, um, features. I'm so glad I asked that question.
Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't know about that the particular um, feature. But of course, what we're going to do is that we're going to do a video using that feature and we're going to share it all around Antaglio because that sounds like I also get excited when all of these kind of futuristic movies and this type of tools come to life now. People think that that is in maybe after you know, many, many, many more years, but it's right now, it's here. So I'm excited about that. And just like to quickly wrap up here, what was the most difficult challenge to implement that very feature that you're saying, the special audio? Like, because there is a reason maybe why not many other apps are, are doing it, but what was, yeah. whatever you can share, you know, like. Yeah, so so the, the feature just to make sure is called a uh, spatial recording. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, recording. the most challenging thing, I think, um, uh, well, it's, the, there's so many things that's very challenging um, because it's actually, you know, trying to understand, right, like um, how the, like, making sure that the entire workspace doesn't get messed up after, you know, mm -hmm. people go into the interact mode, mm -hmm. uh, making sure, cause everything is interactable, the menus, um, mm -hmm. the, the web browser, or like all these things. Right. So making sure every part, um, and frankly, like when we started it, like it was very, I think the, you know, uh, like one of the things for, I guess from my point of view, that was difficult is like, we saw how much potential this feature could get very, very early on, but, it had a lot of bugs, right? Mm -hmm. So because because so many things could go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that um, you know making sure that we eliminate those bugs, um, you know, uh, while also keeping the magic, right? Um, mm -hmm. Is I think um, uh, and, and flexibility, I think, is definitely one of the the biggest um, uh, challenges. You know, uh, and, and the, another quick thing is that uh, we just integrated the meta avatars. Uh, mm -hmm. for you know and and so you can do spatial recording with meta avatars um wow. and the meta avatars api had just like a lot of different like limitations and requirements uh mm -hmm. and so integrating the meta avatars yeah. with the spatial recording was another very very huge challenge oh interesting thank you so much for sharing that so much kindness of you like sharing all your process the background we always say that it's so nice that when somebody goes and interact with the app they see there the name of the app nano but nobody knows the behind the scenes of that all the work that is involved the people the faces of all the team so that's why this is a huge opportunity to bring that alive or the human aspect of all of those amazing tools that are out there so thank you so much for making this time and sharing all of this with us is Thanks there for anything is there anything else that you wish I had asked you today? Uh, no, I mean, I think, um, you know, just uh, because this is an XR-focused podcast and and maybe some of our developers might hear it too. So just a quick shout out to all of, you know, the the amazing developers that have actually made this happen, right? Like Ethan, Jackie, Kai, Edward, uh, Jeremy, like uh, Vincent back in the day. I mean, there's so many people that have mm -hmm. uh, been involved um, to actually make this happen. Uh, you know, uh, our illustrator, Ben has been with us for, for such a long time as well. And so, um, and yeah, everybody, everybody's really passionate about how this is what science have to, has to be like, right. So, uh, very, very proud of the, the team. 
Yeah, thank you so much for mentioning that as well. I'm pretty sure that everybody appreciates to, you know, to have this type of um, a gratefulness moments where everybody recognizes all the work. And we also, through doing this type of events, etc., we also want to celebrate, yeah, the, the apps and all the work and mentioning the teams, etc. So I'm super excited. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it's been such a great talk. I'm inviting anybody to download Nanom to give a try or recommend it to your family or friends, whoever are in the field that you feel that might be interested and also follow them on social media. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Bye for now.